Talking about AR and VR, that's the topic for the day here on Jason Squared. I'm Karen Roby, joined by the Jasons, Perlo and Cipriani. So guys, let's uh, first off here talk about VR. You know, it seemed like we heard so much about it, this huge consumer push that was uh, to come, but it's kind of been crickets. Uh, Jason Perlo, what are your thoughts on that? Well, you know, the cost of a lot of these headsets, you know, that are attached to uh, dedicated computers are rather expensive. You know, you're in the 500 to, you know, $800 range. So it's not really uh, something that, you know, it's not something that the casual users of technology typically would spend that kind of money on, on a dedicated uh, peripheral for a computer. Um, people really want to see this stuff sort of embedded into mobile devices. Um, there hasn't really been what I would call a killer app yet for um, either AR or VR. Um, uh, you know, the, the guys over at Oculus have, uh, you know, at Facebook have, you know, a decent amount of uh, traction in the high-end gaming market, but these people are already spending thousands of dollars on their gaming systems anyway. Um, you know, you've got the music people, some of the others. So there's kind of a niche market on it, but there isn't really a mass market appeal for these things yet because basically the technology is too expensive and there hasn't been, again, that killer app that people really want to use uh, the technology for yet. Okay, and uh, you know, Jason Cipriani, we'll switch to you now. What are your thoughts here? Why everything's kind of gone silent from the consumerized end? Yeah, I mean, we spent a lot of time from hearing from Samsung and Google about Daydream and Gear VR and, and being able to dock your phone into this headset and use it as a screen and the computing power to make VR more affordable for everyday users. And I agree with Jason Perlow in that there's not been a killer app at all. And really the use cases aren't all that compelling. You know, there's one-off games you can play. I think Minecraft launched at some point, you can play Minecraft in it, which um, for me personally, I played it for about 30 seconds and got motion sick. So that's another part of it as well, right? The technology in these lower end headsets just isn't there as, it can't match what the more expensive headsets do with the latency and how the refresh rates and all of that on the display to stop motion sickness. But I mean, who really wants to watch Netflix on a VR headset sitting on your couch when you have a HDTV 10 feet in front of you or 4K TV 10 feet in front of you? I, I just don't understand that aspect of it. I, I get that it's compelling in that, hey, look, we have this new technology, here's what you can do with it. But at the same time, it, you're not going to see mass adoption with, you know, having a family of four sitting on the couch, each one wearing a headset, trying to watch the same movie at the same time. It's just, I just don't see it happening. Um, but it's, it's been interesting in that, you know, we had that big talk and the last couple of phone launches from Samsung and Google, Daydream has, or Gear VR and Daydream haven't even been mentioned. We have yet to see a new headset in the last couple of years from either company. No new improvements to software in the Daydream app that have been groundbreaking. It's kind of like the companies realized where this was heading and that the adoption just wasn't going to take off. And they're trying to figure out new ways to do it, but we really haven't heard or seen anything from it. Yeah. So wait, 30 seconds. I want to, 30 seconds is out on, on Minecraft. You said before you got motion sickness. Yeah, and you know, I, I've got motion sick since I was little. So to me, it was no surprise, but literally put on the headset, started using the controller to walk across and go chop down a tree or something, I don't remember. And it felt as if I was walking across the room and I had to take the headset off. And I was sick the rest of the day. I mean, it took no time at all. And I did, right when that big push was going, I talked to Samsung about, about it. And basically it's the refresh rate of the screen and the way your, your mind 
and uh, your body interacts with that refresh rate and, and visualize or you know receives it and some people just can't do it and unfortunately I'm one of those people from my understanding though the more expensive headsets that are either hooked up to really expensive gaming computers all but eliminate that I just I don't have the money to invest to try something out that may or may not make me sick you know and and that's part of the adoption problem yeah oh, that's interesting and you're you're certainly not alone you know I think uh, I I mean, I know a lot of people that that, that uh, will get sick, you know, motion sickness. So I'm sure that's something that they're they're going to have to uh, shore up there. So we'll stick with you, Jason Cipriani. Though when you talk about AR with the mobile devices, I know uh, Perlo mentioned this. What are your thoughts here? Yeah, so AR augmented reality is really interesting in silos, in single use cases. Um, you know, Google and Apple have done a, a good job of for the last two or three years, really pushing augmented reality apps and interactions and integration with their phones and their operating systems. You know, Google really has pushed their AR stickers that are in the camera app. Uh, I think they just released um, a Childish Gambino one recently where you could drop Childish Gambino into your, your living room and play one of his songs and you know watch him dance. Uh, a while back there was a Stranger Things, I think with season two there was a Stranger Things sticker pack, which they're cute and they're fun and yeah, they're great to use, but at the same time, how many pictures or videos or how often are you going to look through your camera to watch these imaginary figures dance around in your living room? They're just not all that compelling. Um, and same goes for Apple. You know, they've really pushed hard and, and talked a lot about the education uses for AR, where you hold up an iPad or an iPhone and, you know, you can watch... Um, view the Mona Lisa through your phone or my kids had a, a project at school where they showed us around the classroom and they would go and scan these QR codes and then something that they had learned about would pop up on the screen and we could kind of view it standing in the room but at the end of the day you have 30 kids holding an iPad going like this and looking at something for two seconds setting it down writing an answer on a piece of paper and then picking it back up uh, you know realistically for AR I think to get uh, more attractive and more compelling for everyday use. It, it needs to be through something like glasses. I wear glasses every day. I can see having AR through my glasses and viewing notifications or, you know, random facts about the city I'm visiting or anything like that. Kind of like Google Glass, which I had when it, you know, was out for a year or whatever. Call me a glass hole if you want. Yeah, I was just going to say, Jason. But, you know, I, I had to try it and, and I've, I fully enjoyed the experience there. It just looked very weird and it was awkward to wear in public. But, you know, going forward, we need, I'm not going to hold my phone up to view Google Maps directions in a city I've never been to. I'm just not going to do it. That It's not a good experience. Yeah, I think awkward is definitely uh, the key word there, uh, Jason. All right, so Perla, we'll switch to you. How do you respond to that? So I think, again, it all comes down to you need to have a compelling application that people are going to want to use to drive the technology adoption. Right now, the technology adoption is occurring in vertical markets, right? Because vertical markets really don't care if a headset and a computer attachment costs, you know, $10,000, right? The best stuff right now is Microsoft HoloLens. Um, there are, you know, some other companies that make things in the military and aerospace industry for simulation, um, for medical usage. Um, those things are all getting some pretty cool adoptions right now. Um, you know, and uh, people doing all kinds of interesting uh, telemedicine surgery, um, that kind of stuff, aircraft maintenance, um, various different types of training scenarios. Those things are all getting significant adoption in those industries, but we don't see it happening because we're consumers, right? Um, the 
what I've, the most compelling stuff I've currently seen is stuff that educational institutions and museums have been doing. Um, and downtown in Miami, uh, you know, we have uh, an art museum that has an immersive art exhibit. You can download an app and as you walk from room to room and you hold your phone up, you can see all sorts of interesting virtual sculptures and stuff appear in front of your eyes, which is kind of neat. Um, and, it, and it uses all the current APIs from Google and Apple. And I think, as Jason said, all this stuff is built into our operating systems right now for, for mobile. So the, so, you can, so the applications can be written, it's just that the people aren't writing them. Um, another application that just very recently came out, if you want to go check it out, um, the J John F. Kennedy uh, Presidential Library up in Cape Cod released something, released something called JFK Moonshot. Now that will be, that is actually, and you can download it to your, your device right now um, on the App Store or on Google. And it simulates the Apollo 11 mission um, from 1969. And it's gonna be a live, uh, real-time simulation of the Apollo 11 mission all the way from, from takeoff of a rocket to the, uh, you know, the in-transit space mission and the landing and, and all that stuff. And it's a full AR uh, simulation where you can actually take the rocket, the Saturn V rocket, and you can put it on your coffee table, and you can sit and watch. You know, you can look at it from all different angles. You can examine every little part of it. You can watch you know, the thing take off, and um, it's it's very neat. Uh, and that's you know, but you have to be someone with some resources, you know, to actually produce something like that of, of detail that people are going to want to use. And like, this is something where you know it's going to be live from the 16th of July to the 20th of July to follow the original timeline of the mission. Um, that's something that's really cool. So hopefully, you know, when, when people start looking at applications like that, um, people say, wow, this is neat. We can do this for our organization or we can do this for, for our thing. Um, I think people will start to like this kind of stuff more and more. But at the end of the day, um, you know, yeah, the phones can only do so much in terms of, you know, how you, you, you visualize certain things and, and, and from the vantage point at which you, you can see things. What Jason said, you, you, we're going to need devices that are on us all the time and that are not intrusive, right? Because I don't want some giant giant headset around my head that I'm going to have to wear all day long and that you know, chews up a lot of power. You want something that you know naturally works like my glasses today. And we do have the miniaturization technology. Um, right now, it's very expensive. There are ways of embedding uh, you know, the display systems that are translucent in, into, into current lenses today. Um, so it's really a question of, of mass market adoption. Someone is gonna to have to produce some kind of app that they really, really want, and it has to be a reason for it. For example, in Florida right now, uh, we just recently passed a law that prevents, that's illegal now to text while drive. There's a lot, you know, heavy fines are gonna be levied if you start using your phone and stuff while you're driving. So it's possible that we may see more of an interest in being able to do heads up displays, um, stuff built into the glasses so we can see notifications and, 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 and things. So, so things will be developed out of necessity for a reason, right? If there's no compelling reason to develop a, an application technology, this stuff isn't just going to come out of nowhere, right? There needs to be a reason to want to use these things in the first place. This really is what the bottom line is as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, most definitely. All right, Jason Cipriani, any final thoughts here on this? You know, I think in some regards, we may be looking at this the wrong way. You know, just this last week, uh, some developers and uh, users of iOS 13 beta uh, discovered that FaceTime is actually, Apple's using AR in FaceTime calls now. So uh, when you're actually holding the phone and looking at the screen instead of the camera, the people on the other end see your eyes down below the camera like that. 
instead of looking right at it. Well, in, in FaceTime on iOS 13, Apple's using AR to make it look like your eyes are always looking at the camera. Yeah. So maybe those are the use cases and maybe that's the adoption and the examples that we need to see before other companies start taking, you know, taking hold of it and running with it and doing amazing stuff. Um, to me, that, that's an awesome feature and it's not one that creeps me out. It could get creepy and it could get very scary, but, you know, <laughs> but I, I think it's a very compelling use case of AR. Yeah, most certainly. All right, uh, you know, Jason Perlow, we're going to wrap up here, but do you have any final thoughts on this before we do so? Yeah, and it's interesting that Jason brings up the, the face ID technology, which is something I, I currently am not a fan of, but I, would, I think that the sensor array could be used for other things besides authentication. But I want to get back to, you, it has to be a compelling reason and a want to use something. Take a look at something, again, like FaceTime video chat, right? Now, we're using video chat here because it's a corporate communications mechanism, but we've had video Tell, you know, chat technology for over 10 years now. Um, it's, been, it's been usable for at least, at least five years, if not eight to 10 years now, with the bandwidth capabilities that we have with webcams, with mobile devices that have front projecting video cameras, all sorts of stuff. And yet, how many people actually do video chats on a day-to-day -day basis for all their regular calls and communication? Not as many as we like, because a lot of us, look, I gotta put on a nice shirt, uh, we have to shave, we want to look presentable. We don't want people just popping in on us at any time on a video chat. So even if we have, I mean, I know when I used to work at a very large enterprise organization, we had the Cisco video chat phones with cameras on our desks all the time. And, you know, these were the thousand dollar, you know, phone systems um, each, each on each desk. And nobody used it for video chat because of that comfortability factor. There are certain social um, you know, mores and certain, and certain uh, you have to change people's way of thinking sometimes in order to adopt technology. Just because you have the technical capability to implement the technology does not mean it's going to be used. Like I said, we have all these APIs, we have all this stuff that Apple and Google have spent a lot of money on to implement into their operating system, which are now underutilized, right? The APIs are there, but the developers are just not building the things because people are going to have to just, they're going to have, there has to be a reason for them to use it. So I implore developers to go out, make us some cool apps, and then we'll come use them, right? That's really where, where, where we end with AR and VR as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, make us some cool apps. All right, that's a good place to end there. Uh, no doubt the technology uh, truly is fascinating, guys. Great discussion here. Uh, we thank you so much on Jason Squared. We'll see you next time. Thanks for watching.